This is Pastor Rick's Daily Hope, the audio broadcast ministry of Pastor Rick Warren. Today we continue in our series called Radicalis, Developing Spiritual Roots. In these lessons, we'll learn how to live a life that is deeply rooted in Christ and His Word so that we can become all God has created us to be. Now in just a few minutes, we're going to tell you how to get a copy of the Daily Hope Gold Scripture Box called Verses of Hope, a great way to keep God's Word right at your fingertips all year round. You can go to PastorRick.com or you can text the word DAILY to 800-600-5004 to find out more. Here's Pastor Rick Warren with the final part of a message called Radical Faith. Now giving and faith go together. And the fact is God uses finances to test your faith. Has God ever tested your faith with finances? Oh yeah, all the time. Now it's interesting that in Hebrews 11, the Hall of Fame, the first guy who gets mentioned is a guy named Abel. Anybody remember Abel, Cain and Abel? They're the two sons of Adam and Eve. What did Abel do that caused him to get into the Hall of Fame with Moses and Abraham and all these other big shots? He never did anything great. He never accomplished anything, never took any major risks. You know what made Abel great? He gave an offering in faith. Look at what the Bible says. It says, um, it was faith that made Abel's offering to God a better sacrifice than Cain's. Through his faith, God approved of his giving. This guy didn't do anything flashy or fancy or risky. He just gave an offering. But notice, he's listed not because of what he gave. It wasn't what he gave that pleased God, but how he gave it. Let me say it again. It's not what you give that pleases God. It's how you give it. It says he gave it in faith. Now listen very closely to your pastor who loves you. God couldn't care less about the amount you give. What he cares about is the attitude with which you give it. It is not the amount that matters. It is the attitude with which you give it. You must always give in faith. And if you're not giving in faith, friend, don't give because you don't get any credit for it. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. So if you're not giving in faith, forget it. God doesn't need your money. What he wants is your heart. He wants your faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And God says, I'm not looking at the amount. In fact, God didn't look at the amount. He looks at the amount you have left over. In other words, how much you gave in light of what you could have given. See, for somebody to give 50 cents might be a bigger sacrifice than somebody who gave 50,000 because he looks at what you have left over. Are you giving in faith? So let me explain to you that there are two ways to give. You can give by reason or you can give by revelation. These are the two ways you can give. To give by reason is to figure out reasonably what I think I can give. And I sit down and I I figure a reasonable amount. I say, this is what I think I can afford to give. And so I, I give by reason. Now, giving by reason doesn't require any faith at all. An atheist can do it. You just figure out, well, I think I could give this much and I, I, I give. The other way is to give by revelation. And that means I let God reveal to me what he wants me to give in faith. And I, I stop and I pray and I ask, I say, God, How much do you want to give through me? I'm the straw. How much do you want to give through me? This is a test of faith. I say, God, how much do you want me to trust you for this time? 
this time. And this is giving when you don't have it. This is when it stretches your faith. How much do you want to give to me? Not reasonable about, but by revelation. In the Bible, there was a group in, a, in an area of Greece called Macedonia. That's where Alexander the Great came from, Macedonia. And the Macedonian church was an extremely impoverished, poor church. And yet when they heard that the church at Jerusalem needed help, they gave a sacrificial gift to help that church when they didn't have any money themselves. And Paul says this about them, there in your outline. He says, because of their great joy, not because of their guilt, because of their great joy, they gave even more than they could afford. How do you give even more than you can afford? Given when you don't have it. I'll never forget years ago when an Orange County executive, very well known, a business executive told me, he said, Rick, you need to tell people, business people, the best time to start tithing is when they're in trouble, when they're in debt, when the business is tanking, because that's when you need God's help. You, whatever you want God to bless, you put him first in. He said, now, if you give when, you're, when things are going great, well, so what? That's great. But the best time, he says, to, to tithe, to be faithful, to give, is when things aren't going well because you need God's help. Now, most of you know my story. I don't need to go into that again. Kay and I decided when we first got married, we said, if anybody gets paid, God gets paid first. We may be in debt to other people. We're not gonna be in debt to God. And so if, I, if, I, if Bill doesn't get paid, it's not gonna be my tithe. God gets paid first because it all came from him. And I'll be honest with you. Sometimes the cupboards were quite bare. And, uh, and, and, and the first thing thought was, we can't afford to give. We can't afford to tithe. Then the second thought was, we can't afford not to. I need God's help. I need God's blessing. And we've learned that when we give, not by reason, but by revelation, in faith, God always, the money always arrives in time, and we end up with more than we started. I could give you a thousand stories of this. Some of you were around 1993 when we were meeting in the tent on this property, and we decided to build this building. You know, somebody had to pay for this. And so we did a thing called... Time to build, and it was a three-year program where people in our church, we prayed, said, God, what do you want us to give in advance uh, to build this building, over and above our normal tithes? And so we were all, I said, let's take a month, let's pray about it, don't make any spontaneous decision, just think about it and say, God, what do you wanna give through me? So I went home and I started praying and God gave me an amount that was so astronomical, I thought, that's really a test of my faith. I don't know where I'd get that kind of money to give for this building. Then I was reading in Chronicles where David led the offering for the building of the temple in Jerusalem. And God said, David, you're the leader. I want you to announce your gift to other people. I thought, well, that's real good that he did that. And then God said, Rick, I want you to do that. And I said, no way, not a chance. He said, do you wanna be the leader? Yeah, then I want you to announce your gift just like the leaders in the Bible did. God, please. I said, God, if I announce my gift, everybody's gonna misunderstand it. Some people, they think I'm showing off, that I'm giving way too much, and that I'm just trying to show off. Other people think that I'm trying to pressure them to give uh, the same amount, and some people think I didn't give enough. So no matter what it is, I can't win on this one. I don't wanna do this. And I was really having a battle with God. And God says, do you want the blessing or not? I said, yeah, I do. Well, then you will announce your gift. So on the first Sunday of that month, we we're gonna spend a month praying about it. I got up and I said, okay, everybody, you got a month to think about praying, what you're gonna give at the end. We're gonna have a special one-day offering and then commit to give over the next three years to build this building. And I said, I don't wanna do this, but God has 
impressed on me that as the leader, I'm supposed to tell you what I'm gonna give. And Kay and I have prayed, and we believe that God wants us to give $100,000. Now, friends, that was equal to two years of my salary at that time. I was gonna give two full years of salary for this building uh, over the next three years. And, uh, you know, everybody gasped. And then when I walked out of the service and went home, I thought, you fool. <laughs> you have just put, blocked yourself back in the corner, which is exactly where God likes to put us. Right in the corner. You don't know God's all you need till God's all you got. So over the next month, I'm thinking of all the ways. God, how am I going to get $100,000? That's two years worth of salary. How am I going to live for the next two years? And uh, I'm trying to, could I take on another job? Is there anything I could sell? Uh, could I rob a bank? I mean, just, you know, I'm thinking of anything I could do, you know? So I'm thinking, well, how, how am I going to get this money? This is ridiculous. So everybody's praying the week of the big offering. We're going to give as much as we can in one day and then turn in our commitment cards for the next three years. Six days before that offering, I get a call on the phone and it's a, it's a company, a publishing company named Zondervan. Now, I hadn't written a book in 15, 20 years since I'd come to Saddleback. And uh, they said, we would like, this is 1993, we would like for you to write a book called The Purpose Driven Church. I go, I, I could do that. I could do that. I've been teaching on this for some time. And they said, now we're going to, because we believe this will be a bestseller, we're going to give you an advance of $150,000. I'm all right, now we're talking. Okay, God, yeah, now, woohoo! Five days, that was really, you know, that was carrying it down to the wire. And I'm going, okay, all right. So the following Sunday, we got up for the big offering. I said, hey, you guys, remember a month ago, I, I got up and I just, in, a, in faith, announced, I'm gonna give 100 grand. And I said, I don't know where I'm gonna give it from, but I'm trusting God, and I'm gonna give it, whether I've got it or not, somehow. Well, I said, you're not gonna believe this. I got a call this week and a publisher wants me to write a book and they're gonna give me an advance of 150 grand. The place went crazy. People were weeping. People were standing up shouting, jumping around and dancing. And the joy in that church and our church just exploded because there is joy in generosity. And I just thought, I am so glad I didn't wimp out on that lesson of faith. And I have learned over and over again. God says, let's play a little game. You give to me and I'll give to you and let's see who wins. And I've lost that game for 35 years in a row. Now some of you say, man, that's really cool, Rick. I want God to bless me like that. So God, give me some money and then I'll give it. God says, no, 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 that's not how it works. You prime the pump because it's not about money. Get this, it's not about money. It's about faith. Do you trust me? The Bible says this. On every Lord's Day, that's Sunday, that's every week, first day of every week, each of you should put aside something from what you've earned during the week, use it for your offering, the amount depends on how much the Lord has helped you earn. You make a lot, you give a lot. You make a little, you give a little. You don't make anything, you don't give anything. It's just real simple. It's a proportional giving. Faith is giving when I don't have it. Tom's gonna talk about the next one.
What does it mean to have radical faith? It means a sixth thing. It means thanking God before I receive it. Thanking God before I even receive it. Let me ask you a question. If I, uh, if I today gave you a check for $1,000, would you wait until you see if you could cash it to thank me? A few of you would, but, but most of you, <laughs> most of you would think, okay, Tom's a pretty good guy. It's probably not going to bounce. I'll thank him right now. Thank you so much for this. And then you would go cash it. You'd thank me before you received it. God's promises are better than any of our promises, any of our checks. And before we even receive it, we can say, thank you, God, that what you've said is going to happen. Now, there's a great example of this in God's Hall of Fame in Hebrews chapter 11. It's a guy by the name of Joshua at a place by the name of Jericho. You might remember the walls fell down there. How did they fall down? Hebrews 11.30 says, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the people had marched around them for seven days. The people of Israel are going into this new promised land. There's this big enemy there. They have this powerful city named Jericho. God's going to defeat the enemy. He's going to let them into this city. How does he do it? God says, here's my plan. I want you to go and I want you to march around this city for seven days, thanking me in advance for the fact that you're going to have victory. And then on the seventh day, I want you to march around it for seven times, just thanking me for the victory that's going to come. And when they did that, they marched around the seventh time on the seventh day, the walls just fell. God worked. Now, I've often thought, what if I was one of those people marching around those walls for those seven days? I mean, you know human nature. Some of the people had to be looking at the walls, and they got more and more worried the more they looked at the walls. God could never bring those walls down. It's never going to happen. But there were people, a lot of them in that crowd, who had faith instead. And every day they looked at the walls, they thought about what God could do, and the walls looked shorter and smaller, and they realized that God could work. They thanked God in advance. This is the kind of life that God wants you to live, the thanking God in advance kind of life. Jesus talked about it. Next verse in your outline, Jesus said in Mark, Mark 11, 24, when you pray and ask for something, believe that you've received it. You thank God, you believe in advance, and then you will be given what you ask for. Now, I understand that when I pray, I've got to be humble enough to realize God might have to teach me to pray for something different. I, I get that. But let me just ask you a question. When you pray and ask God for something, do you believe that he's going to do it? If you don't believe, why even ask? It's an empty exercise. If you pray and you ask God for something, Jesus said, believe that he's going to do it. Watch what he's going to do. Thank him in advance for what only he can do. Jesus also said this, next verse in your outline. Jesus said, because of your faith, it will happen. He wants us to live this life of faith. I've had to learn something about this thing of thanking God in advance. I hope it doesn't take you so long to learn it. I've had to learn to let Thanksgiving lead the way in my life. This is another story in the Bible in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, where in another battle, the people of Israel are being invaded, and God says, I'm going to give you the victory in this battle, and the way I want you to fight this battle is, I want you to put the choir out in front. They're going to lead the way into the battle. Bad day to be a soprano, you might think. I mean, that's not a good place to be in a battle. But the choir leads the way, and God just gives them the victory. Because God wanted thanksgiving to lead the way. It's a great illustration. And I found in my life, if I'll let thanksgiving lead the way, it lets me live a life of faith. If I begin the day thanking God for what he's going to do in that day, it's usually a day where I can have a day of faith. If I begin the day waiting for God to do something that I can thank him for, it's usually a day filled with myself. So the question of faith is, are you letting thanksgiving lead the way? Are you thanking God in advance? 
Now, I hope you'll go home and read this Hebrews chapter 11 because there's a lot of more uh, great stories uh, in the Bible about these heroes of faith and about what it means to have radical faith. Let me read you the end of this chapter. Verse 32 says, and says, what more shall I say? I don't have time to tell you about Gideon or Barak or Samson or Jephthah or David or Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms and administered justice and gained what was promised. They shut the mouths of lions and quenched the fury of the flames and escaped the edge of the sword. Uh, These guys, their weakness was turned into strength and they became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. He says, I don't have time to tell you about these people, women who received back their dead and raised to life again. But then he says, but others, listen, but others were tortured and refused to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging while others were chained and put in prison and they were stoned and some were sawed in two and put to death by the sword. There were others who went about in sheepskin and goatskin, destitute and persecuted and mistreated. The world was not worthy of these people. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in caves and holes in the ground and these were all commended for their faith. Yet none of them, he's talking about these who went through the tough times, received what had been promised. None of them received what had been promised. God had planned something better. He said, for us, that only together with us would they be made perfect. Now friends, living by faith does not exempt you from problems. God is not a genie that whatever you put in in faith, you're gonna get back. God says, just because you live by faith doesn't mean you're not gonna suffer. Did you know that last year, 146,000 Christians were killed for their faith in the world? Were martyred, were murdered, were put to death, were tortured and put to death. 146,000 Christians around the world died last year because they refused to announce Jesus Christ. This is far more than during the Roman Empire, when they were feeding Christians to lions. There were thousands involved in that. This is tens of thousands in the 21st century. Sometimes God doesn't remove a problem. Sometimes God lets us go through the problem because he wants to strengthen us. He's more interested in building our character than making us comfortable because you're taking your character to heaven. Now, if this life was all there is, that'd be a pretty lousy life if God doesn't protect us from all the things that are bad in the world. But God says, no, no, the reward's coming later. This is not all there is. There's more to life than just here and now. And yeah, you're gonna go through problems and difficulty, and you'll probably even go through some suffering. But that's all to build your faith too, because your faith is like pure gold. So here's the seventh facet of radical faith. Faith is trusting God if I don't get it. Trusting God if he doesn't answer my prayer. Trusting God if the problem doesn't go away. Trusting God when I have to suffer. I'm asking God, let me out of prison, let me out of jail, let me not die. But surely, obviously, not every prayer gets answered the way we want. Sometimes God says yes, sometimes God says no. Sometimes God says not yet. I think sometimes God says, you gotta be kidding. But really, God, doesn't, God answers every prayer, just not in the way that we want. And speaking of those who didn't always get everything they prayed for, it says, 
They were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. God had planned something better. Now friends, anybody can trust God when things are going great. That's no sweat. You're flush in cash, you're happy and everything's going great. You can, it's easy to trust God when things are going great. The real test of your faith is when things stink, when you've lost your job, when you got the problems in the home, when everything isn't going right. That's the ultimate test of your faith. Real faith develops in the valleys of life, not in the mountains. Why? Because if you could understand every way God moves and why he moves the way he does, then he wouldn't be big enough to solve your problems. If you could understand everything that God does and why he does it, you'd be God, but you're not. And some things you're just gonna have to trust. And they don't look, make sense, and they don't look sensible, and they don't seem to fit together, and it seems sometimes like a tragedy. We don't know. We know that we cause a lot of our own problems, that God didn't cause those problems. But we know that God can even bring good out of bad if we give it all to him. Sometimes God has a better idea than your idea. I'll be honest with you. The things that I have prayed for the longest in my life, the personal hurts and pains, and the things that I've asked God to remove out of my life are, have never been answered. The things I've prayed for the most have not been answered. But those were the very things that made me the man I am today. It was those very pains, those very hurts, those very difficulties that I didn't like in my life that shaped me and molded me and made me the man I am today. So I'm grateful that God didn't answer my prayers. As Garth Brooks sang, I thank God for unanswered prayers. Now considering these seven aspects, how do you rate on faith? I challenge you to become a radical follower of Christ, not a casual follower of Christ. Be one that's rooted deep. You say, well, I wish I had more faith. How do I get more faith? Look up here, this is where you get it, right here. You get this book in your mind. And the more you understand and know and understand and read and memorize and fill your mind with this book, the more faith you're gonna have. This is faith food. And the more you fill your mind with the word of God, the more faith you're gonna have. The last verse on your outline, it says this, faith comes from hearing the word of God. Let's bow our heads. I want every man in this room to pray this prayer with me. In your mind say, Father, I want to be a man of faith. Just say, Father, I wanna be a man of faith. And I'm gonna ask every woman to pray this. Father, I want to be a woman of faith. I'm tired of half-hearted living, and in the new decade, I want to trust you with radical gratitude and radical faith, rooted in your love. Help me to believe it when I don't see it. Help me to obey even when I don't understand it. And God, when I feel like giving up, help me to persist even when I don't feel like it. Help me to announce it 
to speak it in order to experience it. Lord, I want to practice faith and give when I don't have it. And I want to practice faith in thanking you before I receive it. And most of all, I want to trust you if I don't get it. When things don't happen the way I want, I want to learn to trust you even in the tough times. If you've never opened your life to Jesus Christ, say, Jesus Christ, I want to put my faith in you. I don't understand it all, but as much as I know how, I open my life to you and I want to trust you. Build faith in my heart. In your name I pray, amen. Hi, this is Pastor Rick. If you just prayed to accept Jesus Christ into your heart, congratulations. You're now my brother or sister in the Lord and you need to tell somebody, and why don't you tell me? Write to me, rick at pastorrick.com. Just email me, rick at pastorrick.com, and tell me your story. I would love to read it. And by the way, I'll send you some free material to help you start in your new journey with the Lord. God bless you. This is Pastor Rick's Daily Hope. If you missed any part of this message, or if you would like to find out more about Pastor Rick Warren and this ministry, just visit PastorRick.com where you can listen online anytime. That's Pastor Rick with two R's in the middle dot com. Be sure to sign up for Rick's free daily email devotional while you're there. Rick will be back to close out our time today, but first, in the Bible, Jesus told us that in this world, we will have trouble. But we should take heart because He has overcome the world. It's easy to forget Jesus' words of hope with reports of devastating news hitting us daily. You may even find yourself feeling overwhelmed and distraught. That's why you need to grab a hold of God's Word. It's an anchor for your soul that will fill you with hope. And to help you, Pastor Rick has created the Verses of Hope Scripture Box, featuring a very special collection of verses to restore your sense of hope daily. This beautiful scripture box is gold with the look and feel of real leather, and there's an embossed Bible verse on top. It's filled with artfully illustrated and inspiring scripture cards, along with well-designed blank cards for your personal notes. This unique tool will help you anchor yourself in God's Word and fill you with hope. We'll send it to you when you give a gift to help Daily Hope take the certain hope of Jesus to people everywhere. Quantities are limited, so be sure to act quickly. Go to PastorRick.com right now to get your copy of this great resource. That's PastorRick.com, or you can text the word DAILY to 800-600-5004. That's the word daily to 800-600-5004. And thanks so much for your support. Here's Pastor Rick with a letter from one of our listeners. Have you ever noticed that your day goes better when you start with God's Word? That's been true in my life, and I'm certain it'll make a difference in your life too when you choose to get into God's Word first thing every day. It's one of the most important habits you can develop. Here's an email from a, a man named Jeremy who says, connecting with God every morning has made such a big difference in his life. He says, you know, Rick, daily hope fills my mind with truth when I begin each day at 3 a.m. Wow. I realize that daily hope helps fill my mind with the good stuff and crowds out all the negative. 
because truth and hope have really changed my attitude throughout the day. So you can take it from Jeremy. God's word at the start of your day will change your day in a positive way. Thanks for listening today, everybody. I love you. I thank God for you, and I'm praying for you. If you'd like to let Rick know how this broadcast has blessed you, please feel free to send him an email at rick at pastorrick.com. That's rick at pastorrick.com. Be sure to join us next time as we look into God's Word for our daily hope. This program is sponsored by Pastor Rick's Daily Hope and your generous financial support.